Welcome back to Ministers in the Making. This is John Carolis with my co-host, Paul Horsmeyer. Today we have a special treat for all the listeners. We've got our own Dr. Seleska in the booth with us today. So thank you, Dr. Seleska, for coming and being a part of the show today. Ah, it's great to be here. Thanks for asking me, actually. And uh, yeah, so we are looking forward to hearing from you about uh, the seminary, your own experience, uh, who you are. So uh, I guess we'll start there. Can you tell us a little bit about who Dr. Seleska is and what he does. <laughs> now, that's a big question, so I'll kind of narrow things <laughs> that's down. That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I am this guy that uh, just, through the blessing of the Lord, has ended up in this place. Um, my dad used, uh, used to teach at St. John's College, which is where I grew up in Winfield, Kansas. Um, his dad was a pastor in Venity, Illinois, and then later actually was a librarian here at the seminary, and his picture is actually up on the wall in Ben Haup's office, or it was before the renovation. Oh, wow. Um, so that's, we, I come from a long line of Lutherans. Legacy family. Legacy family. Uh, my wife, too, Brower Hall, is actually named after, her maiden name is Brower. Uh, so after her, I think it was her great-grandfather. Um, wow. Yeah. Deep was, connections. Uh, he was one of the ten original um, members of the Lutheran Layman's League, which was supported to... Uh, which was started to support pastors in their ministry uh, and the families of those who had retired. Um, So uh, I kind of in high school decided to become a pastor, went to St. John's College, uh, went my last two years to Concordia Ann Arbor, and then uh, came here to the seminary and graduated in 1982. I was a pastor in Cincinnati for 13 years. I went to Hebrew Union College there when I was uh, being a pastor um, then I was two years at uh, St. Paul's in, in Napoleon, Ohio, before I came to the seminary in 1997. And so that's kind of who I am, just this guy that somehow <laughs> uh, the Lord opened these doors. And sometimes I kind of look back and I go, I don't know how this happened, because I'm the kind of guy that likes to goof off way too much <laughs> for the stereotypical pa- uh, professor here. Um, so I teach Old Testament. That's what I love. I've always loved to uh, teach the scriptures to people in uh, parish ministry. Um, I really worked hard on that. Um, I still do in my classes. Uh, Specifically, I teach the Psalms class. I just finished and just put in the... Uh, to CPH, the commentary on the first 50 Psalms for the right. CPH commentary, and that's going to be edited starting next year. So hopefully in a couple of years that will be out, which was a major project for me. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord when I was done, because like I said, I like to goof off more than sit down and write. Uh, so I do that. I teach Old Testament. I'm also the dean of ministerial formation, which basically means I oversee all our formation programs here both the ones on campus and our distant ones like the EEIIT program, the SMP, uh, Center for Hispanic Studies. Um, those programs are all uh, in my purview, and I work with great tr- directors and colleagues and staff. We just have a tremendous uh, staff and team here that's a joy for me to work with. And then, of course, the third thing I do is coach the preacher's <laughs> basketball team. I've been doing that for 10 years. Yeah. My pastor, Ron Rawl is the assistant coach, and uh, the Lord has blessed us with uh, Dr. Nafsker, a younger guy who used to play for the preachers, who is also helping me as an assistant. So I'm very thankful for that because it will help ensure that that legacy of the preacher's basketball continues when I get to step out of um, that role. Um, So I'm very thankful to be able to do all three of those things at the seminary. That's a little bit about who I am, especially in the official sphere, so to speak. Yeah, thanks for that uh, picture. Um, So 
as far as the certification information process and you being sort of the overseer of a, a lot yes. of those things, yeah. um, what does that mean for a student? What it means for a student, what you can expect as a student uh, and what we have been working very hard to be for the last couple of years, I think it's really important, more than a couple of years, um, because it was started even before I became dean, is to be very transparent in the way that we um, help in a student's formation. So one thing we try to do is think very holistically about a student who's studying for the pastoral ministry or for the ministry of being a, a deaconess. Um, it used to be that the seminary was just this kind of cognitive academic place where you learn information or learn theology. And that's still very true. We have great professors. Some of my colleagues just amaze me with their knowledge and understanding of theology. They just have this deep knowledge of it and love of it. And I, have, I learn so much from them every day. But another thing that we've become much more intentional in is this other part, the um, relational aspects that are so important, pastoral ministry, the leadership aspects, um, the um, personal uh, affective aspects. What is a minister's heart really like? How do we form a person to be a good leader, to know appropriate boundaries, to have a strong family, to be a great husband and father as well as a pastor? Um, how do you lead a congregation? How do you begin to um, help a congregation see its mission in the neighborhood in which they are put so they not only have inward-looking eyes, but how do you serve the, your neighbor? How do you love your neighbor appropriately? How do you think creatively about ways to do that where God is going to place you uh, as a pastor? Those are all things that are really dear to my heart and of interest to me. So when a student comes here, they can expect that um, they're going to be challenged in those areas, um, they're going to be formed in those areas. Um, we are here to support them, not penalize them. Uh, we are here to uh, help them think very deeply about their own formation, become more self-aware of who they are. Um, you know, there's that old saying, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So sometimes <laughs> the out, outside perspective that we're able to bring to students' formation can be very helpful to them. And we get a lot of these aha moments, which, oh, I didn't know that's how I was coming across to people, or I didn't know that about myself, or, yeah, you know, I knew that about myself, but I don't know what to do with it. So we now have developed in our curriculum intentional long-term ways to deal with that in a gospel-centered, grace-centered, structured way, not law-centered, not punitive-oriented, not threatening. And I'm just very pleased and happy to be able to be a part of that. And any student who comes here, when they realize what's happening, if they're at all teachable, they really resonate with it. And they're very, very thankful for that because they know that when they get out into the ministry, they're going to be prepared uh, to be faithful proclaimers of God's word and the gospel and be able to lead their people in positive ways that, so that throughout their ministry, they find just great joy in what they do. It always hurts me when I hear pastors who don't have any joy in their ministry, in their life. Um, who who face these obstacles and don't know how to deal with them. And hopefully yeah, certainly. We'll, we're equipping pastors and, and students to be able to do that, deaconesses too. Yeah, no, we, and John and I have talked about a few times, even, even here on the podcast, of how we've really appreciated how it seems like all the professors really yeah. are sort of of one mind with wanting to make sure that we, you know, succeed and are faithful and are, you know, really thriving in, in ministry. Um 
And could you maybe give a couple examples of how, like practically and like the concrete ways mm-hmm. that your your goal and vision for sort of the formation mm-hmm. is reflected, like in what the students sure. will do? Sure. So a big part of our curriculum now is the personal and spiritual formation groups that we have. Um, in our new curriculum, we actually have eight outcomes that deal with personal and spiritual formation. And I can name you a few like relational health, physical health, emotional health, intellectual health. Um, those are the kinds of issues that are hard for us to get at because they're more intangible. So this, I really have to stress, is unique among seminaries. There may be one other seminary in another denomination that does something like what we do, but no one to this extent before a student even gets on campus, um, they are divided into uh, mentoring groups, what we, uh, as we call them, of five or six students uh, who they will be with for their entire seminary career. So already at orientation, um, we start this off with them. Uh, they take an uh, assessment, a self-assessment, before they get to the seminary. And so we mix up different personalities in the groups because it models what they will see out in ministry in their pastoral conferences and all those kinds of things. Um, The groups then will meet weekly um, throughout their seminary career. Um, Even on Vicarage, we're trying to set something up in which they'll be able to do some uh, online things together. Uh, All of those groups then uh, will be mentored by professors, by my colleagues, um, who themselves are being trained by uh, an outside person who um, is teaching us how to go into a coaching, mentoring mode with them. Uh, I got to stress that that's different than being a teaching mode in which we are all used to being the advice givers, uh, the ones that download information to students, that kind of a student-teacher relationship that everyone's familiar with. But sure. a coaching-mentor relationship is different in that um, rather than just kind of giving people's advice, we help them explore who they are, help them explore their own solutions to issues or questions that they have. Um, the, the students then meet together as they develop their own um, personal development plans and help hold each other accountable to the goals that they set for their own personal formation. They pray together. They confess together. They grow closer in their relationships so that through their time here at the seminary, they become very self-aware of what their issues are, what their strengths are, what they need to be aware of. They hopefully will grow in their ability to relate to people who disagree with them, who are very different personalities to them. And we're very hopeful that this um, formation that they have will carry over into the way they do pastoral ministry so that when they um, become leaders out there, they will be collaborative. They will be able to listen to other people. They will be able to deal in positive construction, constructive ways with uh, issues that come up or disagreements, conflicts, those kinds of things, and be able to do that in a healthy way that builds congregations rather than destroys them. Yeah, so it goes, uh, it goes a little deeper than just taking what maybe had sort of an academic stereotype and turning yes. it into a, more of a practical thing. But it, yes, it really, good. you know, it, it is a lot more personally focused Thank and, yeah. and uh, aimed at, you know, making better pastors. And, uh, and, yeah, John, uh, I'm really glad you said that because it's so easy to dismiss what I just said as, oh, that's just practical stuff. Because it's much more than that. It's not as if, it's not like a class in which you sit there and the, and the prof tells you about these things. It is... Um, 
much deeper, so much deeper than that, in that students actually have the opportunity to reflect deeply on the issues uh, that we want them to value and work through very intentionally on how to do that. So it's not just, quotes practical, separated from systematic or exegetical or historical theology, because um, in these, in the mentor groups, um, those mentor groups touch on all aspects of their formation, including what we would think of as the more, quotes, traditional streams of a seminary education. So, yeah, people who just say, oh, that's just practical training that they're getting are really short-sheeting what we are all about here and what the new curriculum is all about. Yeah, thanks for actually helping me to make that (laughs) distinction because it's an important one, I think. Yeah, and uh, and maybe just kind of one more one more thought or, or question for this, uh, you know, segment of things. Um, I know that over the past couple of years, there's been sort of some pilot groups going through yeah. uh, the early mo- uh, models of this, yes. you know, curriculum change. And now Paul and I, as second years, have kind of seen the whole thing turn over into being more normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what positive things have you seen from some of those changes now being made? Uh, generally to the whole population. Yeah, and, uh, yeah thanks like for that. Good. Um, so, yeah, to kind of just fill in a little what John was saying, before we did this in the new curriculum, we had two years pilot program. Uh, for uh, two years ago, a segment of students, you know, about 25 or so, and uh, last year as well, um, went through a similar mentor um, group process um, that was head by, headed by um, Dr. Jason Brogy, who... Um, did his Ph.D. actually in this kind of spiritual formation, educational formation aspect. All of those students, uh, then we did an assessment on those two years by interviewing each student individually a couple of times at least, maybe more, and finding out their, from their feedback what was good, what needed improvement, uh, what would be helpful. And we had an overwhelmingly positive response from that. We've also had an overwhelmingly positive response from our health, the health and health and wellness of the uh, International Center, uh, Grace Place, Doxology, all these places that deal in ministerial health helped us in the formation of uh, the process that we want students to go through. So we've been partnering with people outside of the institution in our synod at large from all spectrums um, so that we can have a strong and transparent proce- uh, process as possible. So we took all that information into consideration in uh, designing the new curriculum. It's still in process. We're still uh, working to improve it. Um, So we have a continual assessment process in which at the end of every semester, uh, we sit down as a group of mentors and teachers and debrief what went well, what we need to improve. And that will continue um, in the future of the new curriculum. It's kind of built in so that we continue to listen to other people very carefully and then are able to be flexible enough to make adjustments to address issues and questions that will come up in the future that we may not even know about right now. Great. Well, thank you. Um, So if you don't mind kind of uh, thinking back to to your own formational years at seminary (laughs) and and telling us a little bit about how, uh, you know, the general – way of things sure. was kind of then for you and, and the other students in your classes and those yes. surrounding them and okay. how things have maybe been progressing. So that is a big change from when I went through. All of this is a big change. When I went through, I went through from 1978 
through 82. And if you remember, the walkout was in 1974. And so we were one of the first, I think we were the biggest class to come matriculate to St. Louis <clears throat> after the walkout. Um, and our education, in our education, it was much more the, the training that people who have been in ministry 30, 40, 50 years are familiar with. Um, the things that I've been talking about were more taken for granted. Um, and part of that was because there was a system that students went through from high school through until they got to the SEM so that they had been with each other for a number of years and knew each oh, other. Sure. But nevertheless, um, these kinds of issues were ha- would be taken care of in a much less transparent way. So there was this, boy, if you get called to the dean, you're in trouble. And if issues came up, you tried to either jump through hoops or fly under the radar um, because there was no real positive, constructive way to deal with formation issues right from the get-go. If issues came up on vicarage or RFE, notice how late that is in a person's formation to really provide help to them. And uh, so you would do kind of patch work um, and Band-Aid work and hope they'd be all right. Well, that's really inadequate for today's culture. As you know, the numbers in our Missouri Senate are declining. It's aging. I mean, we have a lot of challenges out there. And so how do you help guys um, have healthy, uh, beautiful ministries, grace-centered, where the power of the Holy Spirit is working through the gospel and people and bringing people into Jesus? Um, uh, you need to be much more intentional about these other things. Um, we'd gathered a lot of data, and from the data we gather from district presidents, from other churches, the problem that congregations are having is not with uh, the theology of their students. By and large, they are very happy with the um, theology that our students come out with. They come out with a deep knowledge of Lutheran theology and a deep appreciation for it. The problem is with these other issues. They don't know how to lead. They don't know proper boundaries. They don't know how to um, form effective relationships with people. Um, you know, their finances are all messed up, and they don't know how to do any of that. So they don't take care of themselves. Um, all of those things uh, are very, very important for us in this day and age, and so we want to try to address those. So, yeah, it's a, that's a big difference, uh, that anyone from the old school who comes to this campus and spends time here from our orientation on will see. A lot of guys who mentor SMP students come to our orientation and go, man, this is really different than what it was when we went through. And they're very, very happy, actually, extremely happy to see that. Yeah, it seems like you guys are really <clears throat> taking seriously the, you know, the issues that are out there. Yeah. And I think we all kind of know it. You know, a guy could be great or brilliant and then, you know, something you know, crumbles with his family or his personal life falls right. apart. And it, you know, it's just it was the weak, weak link that yep. made it all crumble. And it's really sad. And so, I mean, I know we're both. I speaking on behalf of all the students, so thankful that you know you guys are taking these things seriously, not just not just letting us sort of try and sit on the conveyor belt and just wait till graduation day or anything. You know, you want us to, you know, really be molded and shaped in the right ways. Uh, so, kind of thinking, yeah, for the for the student that might be considering, you know, trying mm-hmm. to discern whether mm-hmm. you know he'd have a, a place here and uh, want to pursue ministry. Uh, what are the kinds of the things that you could tell him, you know, to, oh, we've we've heard of kind of what, what he could expect or she could expect, but I mean, what are the things that, you know, they could 
start thinking about right now okay. uh, in, in, in that whole decision. Okay, so um, that, that can be a broad-ranging question depending on where you are in your life. If you are a young person, let's say you're in middle school or high school or even college and considering it, then one of the things I would say is that there's no need to major in theology. Um, if you're thinking about a major, pick something you love, and it can be anything from literature to science to political science to English to history. Um, you know, take avail yourself of all of those things because it gives you a breadth of knowledge. And then I would say... Um, Open yourself up to experiences with other people and other cultures uh, that might make you feel uncomfortable, that you're unfamiliar with, um, because, again, that broadens the perspective that uh, you will bring with you to the seminary. It broadens your life experience. So don't be afraid to volunteer for things, to get involved in things. Let's just say, oh, um, I've never been in a play or I've never acted or been part of something like that but there's something that intrigues you about it. Well, go ahead and do it and try that. Um, hey, there's uh, some need outside in the community. How do I get involved in that? Uh, involving yourself in those kinds of experiences will prepare you for ministry. Uh, they'll prepare you, but what's great about them is that they'll prepare you for life even if you decide not to come to the seminary and be yeah. a pastor. Mm-hmm. It will m- deepen your, your ability to make relationships and cross boundaries that you haven't formally crossed. So think academically about something you love, but also think more experientially. For a second career person um, that has had a lot of experiences, one of the ways to get ready for the seminary um, is to think about what experiences you valued and what experiences that you might need or want and, and start down that path. Um, you know, most of you have been to college already, um, and uh, so uh, thinking more intentionally about, okay, I haven't studied languages for a while. How do I begin to uh, grapple with that aspect? One of the great things about our new curriculum is that Greek and Hebrew are now part of the curriculum rather than prerequisites. Right. Sure. So it enables uh, students to come here and learn those at a more gradual pace. That's another exciting thing about our curriculum. Um, on the academic side, which I'm very excited about because I'm a Hebrew guy, okay? Love Old Testament, love Hebrew. That rather than slogging through 10 weeks of Greek and th- 10 weeks of Hebrew and then starting the seminary, they can take Greek at a slower pace and Hebrew at a slower pace. And hopefully much more will be retained. We also have language labs that we've added in both Greek and Hebrew that all of our students go to once a week through their seminary career that will help them keep in touch with the language. That's their hope. So we're hoping that at fourth year they haven't lost their languages over vicarage, but we'll keep them and then be able to use them in their ministry. That's the other side of the coin that we're very, very excited about um, that, again, is an interesting part of our new curriculum. Yeah, great, Dr. Celesco. Well, I think I have just one question, I'm just kind of curious. So with these eight areas of, of health— for the sort of holistic health of a person or a pastor, um, and now that you've you really have a, a very personal uh, sort of understanding of all these things, what are some of the ways that you know you've taken um, any of these areas and reflected on your own life, and maybe mm-hmm. it's raised some issues that now you've started to address? What are some of the the, the practical ways that it's um, 
sort of. Uh, okay, so I don't know how personal you want me to get, and I'll see how personal. <laughs> um, but one of the things is, for example, at Timothy Lutheran Church, where I'm a member, we have a significant immigrant population, uh, first generation, generation and a half immigrants from uh, various countries in Africa. How do we get beyond pleasantries in getting to know each other? How do, how do I actually cross cultural boundaries? That's much more difficult than I thought it was, um, thought it would be. Um, and so I taught a Bible class with uh, the number of the immigrants, and I realized about five minutes into it that we were like two ships passing through the night that I didn't know if they understood anything about what I said, mm. and I don't know if I understood anything they said. Um, so the immensity of that challenge I've been impressed with. And so um, I keep my ear very much attuned to the presentations and the kind of discussions that we have here in our culture crossing, the culture crossing aspect. Again, um, to value cultural health is one of the outcomes. Um, here we realize America is changing, and a lot of you will be placed in situations in which there are immigrant populations. So how do you minister to them? I'm getting kind of firsthand experience trying to do that. Yeah. And so, so some of the things that um, I've learned as part of this process in that outcome specifically have helped me rethink uh, – or helped me at least give some direction to um, how to minister to people across cultures, how to begin to at least think about that, and what are some of the things I as a Christian need to do. Um, another thing is the importance of uh, relational health. I mean, personally, actually, one of the reasons I coached basketball was because after about Oh, a few years here, I started to feel the lack of the deep relationships I had developed in parish ministry because the teacher-student relationship can be a strong one, but it's still student-teacher relationship. Uh, but uh, if you're the basketball coach, all of a sudden you see guys every day outside of the classroom, and I actually get to spend time with them, and it's time, I think, in which you get to know guys on a deeper level through, you know, you take road trips and you're just with them all the time and get to hear kind of the things that are on their heart. And so um, the the relational health aspect uh, is something that I have become very attuned to. Uh, students, it's interesting, as a, as a professor, you're kind of outside the inner student circles and the relationship they develop and the things that are going on in their life and all of that. So as a pastor, that same thing can happen. You really, you know, if, if you are not willing to open yourself up and, and work to develop relationships on this deep level, you'll maybe never find out what's really on people's hearts and kind of what's going on in their lives. Um, so that's another area that um, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do you, how do you move from the teacher-student relationship, which is an important one and in a sense always has to be maintained, but get to know people on a level that, that hey, uh, you can listen to each other and learn from each other. Uh, I think that's a healthy way for a pastor to be as well. So those are just a couple of areas um, that uh, the outcomes have helped me kind of think through. Yeah, and I think it's cool just with those <clears throat> few you know stories that you've shared how 
you know, in order to be a good teacher, for example, you almost need to have and value that cultural health mm-hmm. or, you know, the Bible study you needed to mm-hmm. then right. value, you know, understanding on their level or with, you know, being a professor here again, the teacher uh, with that role that you play to be a better teacher almost, you need to have that yes. relational, you know, that deeper relational yeah. connection. So showing, I mean, I think it's great. That just shows how integrated all these yes, things good. are. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said that because because they are integrated. And the more you go through the process, you see, oh, they touch on all of these things. So the physical health one touches on relationships um, and it touches on time management, for example, and it touches on uh, inner motivation. What What's kind of going on inside of you that drives you one way or the other? Um, and you can say that with all the outcomes and the way that we're looking at them. Yeah, and I would say, too, I've kind of noticed that um, the seminary as an institution has almost been paying really close attention to some of these same wellness areas yeah. that you mentioned for the formation of each student and, and the personal development of each person on campus. Uh, you know, there there is a, a high sensitivity, you know, for cultural yes. health. You know, there, there's a, a wide range of students here um, from backgrounds, you know, that – Come, you know, as far as you know, you've got North yes. Wisconsin, Midwest, and you've got right. <laughs> uh, guys here who are spending time away from their families in Africa, studying to get a, a similar degree, and, right. and and just the the wide range of things and the steps that the seminary has been taking yes. to promote these personal development, uh, you know, strategies for the students. Mm-hmm. They, I feel like, really reflect it well in the way that they conduct themselves. Uh, just you know, as an entity. Yes. Um, Good. Yeah, I want to add to uh, the deaconess aspect because um, we have uh, young women here, not only Anglo's, but also international students studying for the deaconess program. And um, that's a very important dynamic that sometimes gets underplayed at the seminary. But in our culture today, men who are going to be pastors need to know, okay, how do I um, have an appropriate relationship with someone else in ministry? Uh, whether it's a deaconess or a female DCE or female teachers, how do I actually speak appropriately? Um, and so um, having female students helps teach our males, especially maybe the younger ones, um, appropriate boundaries. Um, what are some of the issues on that side of things that may go over men's head because we're kind of oblivious to certain things? Um, how do we... Uh, um, have appropriate teamwork relationships in ministry. I mean, those are all important things. So if you are a young woman thinking of uh, an aspect in which you might help serve the church, I would encourage you to think of and check out our uh, deaconess program here um, because you do make a valuable contribution to our campus life and also to uh, the growth of the church in, in the things that you uh, are able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up yeah. as well. Um, and that will probably about do it for our episode today. Uh, we just really appreciate you coming in and, and spending time to, to talk with us a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, give us an insider's view of some of the inner workings of the seminary and the thought that went into these program changes and, and uh, just a lot of the decision-making and the thought and the investment that goes into this kind of thing is uh, hard to overstate. And so um, we appreciate that view and that input from you. And, uh, You're welcome. We look forward to uh, continuing these conversations and interviews with uh, other members of the seminary community as we uh, just try to give a picture 
to the sem- of the seminary to the people that uh, would like to see it. Thanks, and we will talk to you next time. All right.